0: The Construction Employers Podcast. Your connection to what's happening in the Northeast Ohio construction industry. Brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Hello everyone. This is Tim Linville, your host again with the Construction Employers Podcast. We have a special episode today. We have CEA Hall of Fame inductee Jim Mergliatta of Forest City Erectors. Welcome Jim.
1: Well, thank you very much. It's a Pleasure to be here, and al- especially see Tom, too.
0: <laughs> and along with Jim, we have my colleague, Tom Warner from the Mechanical and Plumbing Industry Council. Thanks for being here, Tom. Yes,
2: thank you for having me, and it's good to see Jim, too. We go way back. Tom, how long have you been at
0: the Mechanical and uh, Plumbing Industry Council? 35 years. 35 years.
2: Yes, and and I uh, went to the Mechanical contractors association directly from cea so i was here i think for five or six years
1: do you remember that jim uh well let's see i've been around this area or with cea something close to 50 years so i remember when he was a little thinner and a little taller (laughs) and if i remember he had dark brown hair something like that there you go right that's me (laughs) silvery white now yeah that's right we don't have a camera on us no cameras (laughs) that's a good thing
0: so you've been a member of cea for 50 years jim
1: i would think very close it was in the uh, uh, late 60s early 70s when i became active we first had uh, the billers exchange of course and i think maybe i met tom through the billers exchange but um That was first, and of course, uh, being in the steel industry, the erection part of it, Mm -hmm. with the iron workers here in Cleveland, uh, I first started out what was called the Cleveland Iron Workers Association, which became Steel and Iron uh, through CEA.
0: Okay. Now, was this uh, Cleveland Iron Workers Association, was that uh, part of CEA or BTEA?
1: It was more with BTEA.
0: Right. So the name change, I think, happened in the 70s, right? Yes,
1: yeah. After the infamous, I think, two, two, and two. Yeah. We'll never forget yes. that. <laughs> <That's
0: right. laughs> um, so member of CEA for 50 years. How long have you been in business with Forest City?
1: Well, in November, well, actually, in, in November the uh, 11th of this coming year, 1959, uh, my wife Betty and I started a company called Park Iron Erectors. That was our first company. And then that led into Forest City. Uh, Forest City, we became partners there in 1961. So what led you to get into business? Well, uh, my father was an iron worker. I had two brothers that were both iron workers. And uh, my last day at East Tech High School back in 1951, uh, sat at the dinner table I was not planning on being an iron worker. Uh, I really like to create things uh, with a pen and pencil, and I thought I was going to be a commercial artist. But I had secretly gotten engaged to Betty, we were 17. (laughs) I needed a paying job, and uh, sitting at the dinner table, I said to my father, could I become an iron worker? I need a job. And the next day I went down to Local 17, uh union hall on 1544 east 23rd street and got a permit and went to the ford motor company which was just coming out of the ground in brook park and as a rod buster wow well your
0: dad was an iron worker
1: he was a rod buster an iron worker and like i said i had two brothers doing the same thing i really didn't uh enjoy tying rods and being a rod buster i had more of a passion of being on the iron Mm -hmm. i worked with my dad for six months and then had an opportunity to go with american bridge company uh, which was just starting the east lake powerhouse and uh, that was really a turn in my career because uh, i met a superintendent there his name was russ bivens And uh, we just kind of took a shine to each other, and he treated his apprentices very, very well. And I ended up working for Russ for five years in Cleveland. Learned an awful lot about how to install and erect structural steels. And uh, probably would have gone on with the career at American Bridge, uh, because when he finished here in Cleveland, Russ... Uh, he was the superintendent on the Mackinac Strait Bridge. Oh, wow. Up in
0: Michigan. Sure. Up in Michigan, yeah.
1: And I didn't know too much about Michigan or how far up <laughs> Mackinac was. All I knew was I was popping my buttons. I'm a young guy, came home, uh, now married, uh, two children, and I couldn't wait to tell Betty, hey, Russ offered me a traveling job, wants me to go with them up to Mackinac, mm-hmm. building a bridge, a cable suspension bridge. And Betty said, where's Mackinac? <laughs> I says, well, it's in Michigan, someplace really far north. And she says, well, are you going to be home on the weekends? And I said, wow, good question. And Russ said, we're going to be working six days a week, 10 hours a day. Wow, six months I'm going to be up there. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. And she looked at me and said, standing there, said, well, if you pack your clothes to go, pack everything you have, because I'm not going to be back. I'm not going to be here when you when you come back. You're not leaving me with these two kids. <laughs>
3: <Jeez>. So
1: <laughs> that ended my career with American Bridge. <laughs> came back, you know, uh, at, said goodbye to Russ and thanked him for everything and went to work for local contractors for the next couple of years.
0: How old were you at that point?
1: Well, let's see. I was uh, probably 21, 22.
0: Wow. Two kids already, huh? Got started young. A third a
1: third almost on the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah.
0: So where did what did you do after that?
1: Well, I worked for a couple of local contractors and uh, soon to realize that uh, it was pretty tough. Um to make a fair living in the trades back then. We had no guarantees, Mm -hmm. and mostly the small contractors I was working for in Cleveland, uh, if you worked uh, five hours, you got paid for five hours. If you worked six hours, you got paid for six hours. Even if you did a good day's work and finished something up, they were not too free to give you a 40-hour week. Mm -hmm. And um, I just kept hammering away and thinking, I gotta do something different um actually started a little business on the side i was making monuments a lot of people don't know that but i had a company called lakeside memorial and i had a little shop and i was office in a warehouse on miles avenue across from calvary cemetery and, and trying to work the two jobs wasn't really working out either so mm-hmm. i made the decision that uh, uh, i was gonna start a small erection company that was in 1959. Yeah. Wow. And I was only able to do that. Maybe some of the folks out there will remember a a fabricator in Cleveland called Park Iron. And uh, Park Iron was owned by a gentleman named Simon Catus. I don't know if Tom might remember Simon Catus.
2: Sounds familiar. Yeah.
1: But uh, when you talk of mentors in your life, I mentioned Russ Bevins from American Bridge. And Russ was one of those first guys Mm -hmm. who helped me a lot. Then Simon was a guy that befriended me. And uh, sitting with Betty one night after dinner, I says, boy, I'd like to start this business, but I have no idea how to do it. And Simon was just such a dear friend and a graduate from Ohio State University um and uh, had his own business i'm going to meet with simon tomorrow and see what he thinks and i had that meeting and i'll never forget uh, simon was a very passive guy and you never heard heard him say a, a swear word mm-hmm. uh, or get derogatory he just said oh hell's fire that's easy i i'm signatory with the iron workers i have workman's comp insurance and uh, you just go ahead and call yourself Park Iron Erectors. You're in business. Wow! That's how I, I got started. Nice. <laughs> just on a handshake. Huh? On a handshake. And eighteen months later, um, I met up with a friend of mine who now had fifty percent of uh, four city erectors, and his partner was looking to get out. And so we we met uh, on Miles Avenue and Lee Road in the backyard of a parking lot uh, by a Ohio gas station. Mm-hmm. And that's where they parked all their equipment, this Forest City Erectors Company. Uh, they weren't doing very well. I didn't know too much about them. Uh, but it was an opportunity to get out of what I thought was not a good situation for Simon. Mm-hmm. And as we stood by this fellow's truck, the fellow I bought out with his uh, spiral notebook, and he was writing in there, uh well, he got four walling machines two trucks got to come along chain falls two boxes and he came up with a price and uh, then he discounted the price and told me half of that was the buyout number which was uh can i share that with you sure uh, it came to twenty five hundred dollars okay wow. and i didn't Say no, oh, and I didn't say yes right away. All I said is, Well, Bill, I could come up with $500 tomorrow. And this was in July. And he says, Can you come up with the balance of that money before Christmas? And I said, Yeah, well, you, we got a deal. So yeah, we shook so hands. Good for you. And I, I bought that proverbial pig in a poke. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that's how we got into four city erectors. And that's a long story for another day uh, how we took it to where we're at today. 60
0: years ago this year. 60 years ago, yes. Wow. And you said it was November, or did you say?
1: Yeah, it was uh, November the 11th when I started uh, as Park Iron wow. Directors. That was my date.
0: Mm. Tom, you've been in the industry a while.
2: Yes. Yes, yes, I have.
0: 35 years at MAPIC? Mm-hmm. And CEA prior to that?
2: Yes, and then uh, AGC in Detroit for a year in between all that. So, uh, yeah,
0: I... Uh, How did you get started?
2: <clears throat> well, uh, my first job out of college, first of all, I went to seminary most of my life. I, I spent nine years in the uh, seminary to be a Catholic priest.
1: Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't either. I didn't know that. No wonder I'm
2: blessed. <laughs> <laughs> it was called the Society of the Precious Blood,
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, so I eventually obviously left the seminary and the first job I got was a job with Nielsen television ratings
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it was a great job, but it was in New York City. So I tried to my best to get out of New York City and get back to Ohio. I'm from Columbus mmm so I started getting the PD and the uh, Columbus uh, Dispatch and all that, and, you know, trying to see if there were any opportunities. So one came up at CEA, and it was a blizzard, and 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 uh, you know, I'm I'm surprised I even made it. Uh, but I did, and I had an interview with Al Culbertson.
1: I remember Al.
2: Dunbar Construction. Yeah. Okay,
1: Al was past president. CEO. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: as are you.
1: Yeah, gee, that's right. It's been a long time. <laughs> you have a lot
2: of lot of honors. Uh, so I I interviewed with Al Culber- Culbertson and Norm Prusa. And they kind of started off the interview by saying, uh, you know, we're looking for someone who really doesn't know much out about construction so we can mold them the way we want to. And I said, I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any, I was a hod carrier for my dad when I was a kid, but otherwise, uh, no. So I got, I got hired there and, uh, moved back and, uh, I was called the educator. uh, <clears throat> director of education and training. Mm-hmm. And so I would sit on all the joint ad, uh, apprenticeship committees and, and schedule, uh, I think they were called STP supervisor
0: training program
2: training. and a um, uh, Tony Panzica was my first instructor for that, for that program. So wow. that was, that was kind of neat. Wow. But uh, so it was fun and that's how I got here and I took to it very well and, glad i made the move
0: yeah jim you're the 18th i was looking on the wall today of pictures you were the 18th cea president
1: is that a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> <laughs> it's a good
0: thing that, that we we still have presidents going forward uh, i think we've you know, what are we're
1: 104 years old now or yes. something like that yeah. pretty close huh? going hey, on our
0: 104th yeah yeah um we're on our 25th president right now
1: wow Well, let's see, Trump is 45, Yeah, the 45th president.
0: Our our term limits are shorter. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's a good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, we have good people involved here. Um, So one of the questions I had for both of you is, and you've touched on it already, Jim, who in your life and your career has been instrumental to your success getting where you're at today? Maybe Tom, if you have anybody, or Jim, if you have anybody else. Well, Jim's
2: been a pretty good role model for me. And, and one of the reasons is that he's kind of ubiquitous in the industry. If you go to an event or a class or a program, he's there. And always wearing a nice suit. I might add, <laughs> I do have jeans underneath the sport jacket. That's my
1: everyday work clothes.
2: <laughs> uh, but but he's very supportive of of the industry. You know, if there were a hundred more Jim Mergliattas, this industry'd be in great shape. But uh, yeah, I think because we all know what is it twenty percent of the people do eighty percent of the volunteering and right. associations. And you're obviously one of those, and I, I have many in my, my group too, but most most people kind of sit back and hope, you know, it's run this well for 100 years, I don't need to do anything. Somebody else is handling it. Mm-hmm. And you're one of those somebody else's. Well, I that's I appreciate
1: those are kind words. But uh, I did mention, uh, as far as mentorship goes, uh, I think my very first uh, – you know, it would have been my dad who was the iron worker and I decided to follow my dad. It seems like uh, uh, back in my time, um, you followed where your father was or your mm-hmm. uncle or maybe a, even a, a dear neighbor, you know, would get you involved as a mechanic or what have you. But my dad would be first. But then I met up with that Russ Bevins and uh, to, to this day, I'm really surprised that he took as much time as he did to uh, try me to show me the groundwork of how to put steel up. He was so good at it. And and I really appreciated that. And then I mentioned my good friend, Simon Katis. I, I don't think that I would have started a business without Simon. So, and there's a lot to that story because Simon ended up coming to work for our company. Wow! And Simon became my bridge engineer for many, many years. And, uh, What I like the best about Simon, when he turned 72, he retired. And three months later, he says, I need to come back. I need a job. I need to do something. And then he retired again at 78. And he was gone now this time for six months. (laughs) And he came back, and he says, I really need something to do. (laughs) So he brought him back again, and he finally retired uh, at 88 and uh, he made it to 91. But uh, wow. I, I'm touched every time I think of Simon. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my dear wife, Betty, because mm-hmm. uh, she was uh, there all the time. You know, you need a, a backbone in your wife that uh, when you're ready to make a move, she agrees with it. Now, you heard me earlier when she said you can't go to Mackinac, okay? Mm-hmm. Understand, she was right. It was a good thing I didn't go because things may, I still might be working for American Bridge. <laughs> but uh, Betty was very supportive, became my partner in the business, and uh, she ended up with 50% of four city directors when we bought out our one partner, mm-hmm. and that was in 1970. And then in 1978, I sold her one share of my stock, which made her the majority. So I really worked for my wife for many, many years, and uh, it was fun. We did a lot of things together. Uh, It helped us promote our business as a female business. Mm -hmm. And uh, today our daughter, Denise, is 51% owner of the company, and she's the president of the company, has been for the last three years, and we continue uh, having that female operation, which we enjoy having.
2: Nice. Yeah. That's great.
0: Well, that reminds me, that story reminds me about um, something you mentioned to me. You mentioned Simon retired twice before actually retiring for good. Three times. Three times. (laughs) It reminds me of something you've you've mentioned to me about your own company and people trying to buy your company several times over the last 20 years. And every time, I mean, tell that story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we virtually had the company... We thought sold three times. And uh, in all three events, uh, at the last, at the end, we'll call it the the day the check was supposed to be delivered, they backed out. And uh, you feel real bad. You you thought, all right, here's my ticket out. I'm going to get to retire or do something else. Uh, But we stayed with the company. We kept building it and building it. And every time it just got better, bigger and better. And today Mm -hmm. it's just doing really great. And we have a management team today that's, I think, is doing a yeoman's job. Uh, besides my son and daughter, uh, we've got two other uh, fellows in there that were general managers and now uh, really manage all the estimating and the and the outside work and they're buying stock in the company. So hopefully, eventually, they'll they'll take it over completely. So
0: that's great.
2: We had some interesting characters in the Steel and Iron Contractors Association. I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> wow, can you name somebody? <laughs>
2: well, one that comes to mind is uh, Bob Palumbo. Oh, yes. Buddy Bianchi.
1: <laughs>
2: good they, memory, they, uh, they keep people on their toes. And who was the, the uh, other big contractor? Um yeah.
1: In Cleveland, yeah, in steel erector, yeah. Well, we st- we still have uh, the Kelly Steel Company, of yeah. course. Garrett Kelly, and maybe you're thinking of Jim Conant. Jim Conant, that's you know, Jim who I was Conant of, uh, is a classic. You know, uh, I have a few stories about Jim. Um, of course, when I started the business, uh, and I would look at my competitors out there, people such as Vote and Conant, I would go like, Wow, could I ever do what they're doing could i ever build a bridge could i ever build a multi-story building okay and uh, and jim was uh, president of our steel and iron contractors association for many many years sure so i thought there, there was a time when i said you know nca now and i should be a member of the steel and iron contractors association and i thought you know just knock on the door and So here I am, I want to join, I'm a contractor in town. Um, And they allowed me to come in. And uh, when we had a little social event, uh, all those guys were on that side of the room and I was over here by myself on this side of the room. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And I I was just not welcomed. Hmm. And it took a while because I was probably the only Contractor in that room, that was there as a contractor, but I still had my union card. Mm-hmm. I was an iron worker, uh, yep. and there were other oh, people okay. in that room that said, "How could we sit down and negotiate a contract with the iron workers when one of the guys negotiating is an iron worker?" <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: So it took a while to express to them that uh, I'm capable of wearing two hats, and when I'm in this room negotiating for the contractors. I'm negotiating for the contractors, uh, and uh, but I still have my card. And there was a reason why I wouldn't give up my union card, and that was because of my father. Yeah. And at that time, when I started the business, uh, we weren't allowed. It was an unwritten rule, but you are not allowed to keep your union book and become a contractor. You had to give it up. And I... Remember, as a young guy going down to the union hall and standing in front of a board with nine iron workers there, pleading with them that, hey, I really want to start my company, but I can't give up this book. The book looked like a passport. It was a black book that you put stamps in every month. Mm-hmm. And when I became a journeyman, my father called it a passport. And my father spoke in a very broken Italian lingo, English. Hey, Vincenzo. <laughs> You know this is your passport. You keep your stamps in there every month. you keep your nose clean. you can work any place in the country. you know, yeah. and I thought, well, that will work. I stood there <laughs> saying and memory and my father had passed away in memory mm. and honor of my father, please don't let me give give up my passport mm. and those guys stood there and shook their heads and <laughs> said, "No, no, you can 't do it. you can 't do it and This was after a union meetings, probably eleven o'clock at night now and my pickup trucks in the parking lot at 1544 and usually if they had a confrontation with a member they would uh, and they wanted to teach you a lesson there was always somebody out in the parking lot that would kind of direct you okay and i thought oh boy i'm gonna go out in that parking lot and there's gonna be some ugly things out there but nobody bothered me i got in my truck i drove away and everything was good and i started the business and kept the book and Time went by, and now today they encourage, through impact, they encourage uh, the ironworkers to do that. uh, you got a young ironworker out there, and he wants to go into business. Let's help them get there.
0: Yeah, they sure do. That's -hmm. the the primary means of getting new employers. That's. Which makes sense. Yep.
2: Right, because otherwise they're not waiting in line to
0: sign up. Right, to get into the construction industry, much less to be a union contractor which is, you know, we all know it to be the best way to, to go, but not many outsiders do.
1: That's true. And when I stood there and said to the guys, the first thing I said, if you allow me, I, I, w- I will be the best union contractor that you've ever seen in Cleveland. And I've strived to do that. I really have. I continue to do that. And so do the people that run our company today. Uh, I totally believe in the union I know we train and have the best people out there and the safest people out there, and I think this is how we sell and get our, our jobs today. Right. Tom, you've well, seen but- that with the mechanical guys, <clears throat> I'm sure.
2: Yes, we have uh, we have a, a special arrangement for uh, plumbers or pipe fitters who want to become a contractor. And we cut them a little slack, and for three years they can uh, – uh, we call them 3R contractors. And for three years, they can work without paying into benefits for themselves or paying union dues. And they just pay one flat fee per month. Hmm. And that uh, that saves them a lot of money because they can get on their wife's plan or their husband's plan or whatever. And, and they can do without the pension for a while. And it's a big help to boosting them up
3: it would be
2: then after the third year they've kind of found their niche and they go back in just like a regular contractor and pay all the the dues and contributions and so forth so we have a lot of contractors now that went that that route that otherwise we wouldn't have had
0: sure how many members do you have tom
2: uh, we have
0: a uh,
2: hundred total between the uh, mechanical and the plumbing. We have about 150 signatory contractors, and almost half of them are uh, members. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, we give a lot of benefits to the non members. Right, too, you can't help. We're, we're grateful for what they provide. Uh, and then it's an easy transition then to become a member from then. So
0: Sure, sure. And you employ a safety director? and
2: Yes, uh, we have uh, a safety uh, director, Scott Davidson. And we have uh, two ladies. One is a bookkeeper, Summer, and the other is administrative assistant, Kathy. And then right now we have an intern, from Kent State who helped us out a lot on a lot of IT things
0: uh mm-hmm.
2: you know this summer so uh, and he's part of the MCA student chapter
0: we have uh, interns are great you get a lot of stuff <laughs> you've been hoping to do but never found the time to do and
2: and that they they love to do it so it's not like you're giving them the the, the nasty work that's the kind of stuff they like to do anyways
0: yeah Jim, your company was honored in a couple of ways this last year. And, uh, last March was well, actually this March of 2019. We had the craftsmanship awards and Wendy uh, Nolan, Nolan from yes. your company yeah. won the Ironworker craftsmanship awards. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, she did. One of the, one of the early female iron workers, uh, to come into local 17 and stay, you know, and, That's the key word, right? and this lady can connect on the iron. She can walk the iron. Uh, she can weld. Uh, she's uh, very talented. And she was one of our four persons, foreman persons. Yeah. How do you say four women? <laughs> Sounded good. <laughs> okay. Uh, Wendy had, a, had one of the detail gangs uh, down at the queue and uh, was highly recognized by the. Uh, Uh, Whiting Turner people who are managing that project and quite proud of of Wendy and her accomplishments.
0: Yeah, that was awesome work down at the the Quicken Loans Arena. Yes. Renovation job. Yes. Big job.
1: It's kind of a unique job for us because this is uh, one of the first big projects that we're actually setting the glass uh, on the, uh, all the glass panels on that project.
0: How does an ironworking company set glass?
1: Uh, Very carefully. (laughs) (laughs) You just buy buy one of those vacuum lifters, you know. Actually, we bought two. And, of course, uh, uh, we didn't really step on the uh, glazer's toes. We talked with the glazers, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, they welcomed us to come in. We even picked up, I think, several glazers to work with our ironworkers. So it was really a composite crew. And, uh, there was a little bit of a learning curve, uh, but everybody got the hang of it and, uh, glasses all in place and it's working and it's beautiful. And now we're doing that fancy curtain wall inside mm. and that should be just about done. Uh and we're got all the miscellaneous. We have all the ornamental and miscellaneous iron on the interior of the job. So we're, we're happy to be there. Yeah. To drive by
2: that glass wall, it's very, very impressive. It really is. It's, uh, and I assume everything on the other side is just open.
1: It is when you walk in until you walk in, and then this you're hit with this wavy curtain, curtain. wall of uh, steel and panels, mm. and it's really crazy. I mean, uh, when I, it's not something you can just uh, hang a column and put a beam on it. These. These things are hung from the ceiling, but the structure is reinforced and bent and turned and wraps around just like a a curtain of material, uh, cloth material. And these panels uh, reflect uh, different colored lights. So you'll see seven or eight different patterns. When it's lit up at night, it'll be blue, it'll be green, it'll be red, it'll be red, white, and blue. Mm -hmm. It'll look like the terminal tower just down the street. That's cool. <laughs> wow,
0: nice. That's neat. How many iron workers do you have working for you right now?
1: Oh, uh, good question. I should have called the office before I got here. Uh, but I went by the automatic check writing machine the other day and it was going, <laughs> 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 those checks are flying out. I, I, I think we're around 155, 160, uh, this summer we were well over 200. Um, Right now, we could probably use about another 20 iron workers. Uh, We're in Columbus, and uh, we're in Michigan, and we're all over Ohio, um, and it's pretty hard to find quality workers right now. This is our first bench uh, that we've had in about three years. Uh, A year ago, we were doing a major uh, shutdown at Arsler Middle, and uh, on one of the furnaces and we were uh, over 350 people wow. this is iron workers boilermakers operating engineers yeah
0: that's a lot of people
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and has it uh, how, what was the progression from starting your business in in 1959 you you wouldn't start that big well, how <laughs> many people did you start with
1: one <laughs> my well actually Two when I needed when I needed somebody to go with me to put up a railing or a stairway. This is how I started. Um, my equipment was I had a I had a 1947 uh, Studebaker pickup truck. It was literally a piece of crap. This was 1959 now, so it was mm-hmm. already almost 11 years old. And I had a 200 amp Lincoln welding machine um, that was a little small for the job and you had a hand crank it to start it. It wasn't, there was no button to push this thing. you Cranked it, you know, like the old model T and I had a burning outfit and a grinder and a couple other small tools. So I was, I had enough equipment to go put a steel stairway up in a, in a balcony rail. And that's how I started the business.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
1: Now I, now I have two welding machines <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of trucks. No, we probably have 300 welding machines. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Um,
2: wow.
0: Well, I what's think a big plumbing uh, outfit. What's a big plumbing contractor.
2: Um, do you mean in terms of manpower? Yeah. Uh, can be a, a hundred for a straight line. Yeah plumbing contractor we've got two or three in that uh in that range Mm -hmm. yeah and the pipe the big pipe fitting contractor can have 150 or so pipe fitters right and uh we've we've needed all of them this uh, especially the plumbers some of our guys had to avoid bidding because there just weren't any plumbers and the union was organizing like crazy having blitzes bringing agents in from all over the country, and they just blitz
0: the whole area. Yeah, what do you do, though, when all the cities are having blitzes, bringing people in? Yeah. I mean, that's that's where we're at right now, isn't it? We're at
1: that right now. We just started some work in Columbus, and uh, we've been talking to the local down there, and they've been telling us for three weeks before we got down there, guys, we don't have anybody. Hmm. I've been saying, well, go find somebody we're coming right and so we're picking up some people from Cincinnati and Dayton and there still are some boomers out there in the trades that will move around if you're working a little bit of overtime Um, we're trying to compensate by putting some overtime in our jobs as that we're bidding right now you're forced to do that sure
0: well I've heard General contractors, more so the owners' rep- representative type companies, uh, complain about the high price of bids coming in these days. And what I've heard—and correct me if I'm off base from what I'm hearing—what I've hearing, what I'm hearing, is it's number one the workforce, but number two there's lots of opportunities to bid, so you don't have to bid the contractors you don't like working for. <laughs>
1: that, that's there's a lot mm-hmm. to be said for for that really. Yeah. Uh, we're still trying to service all uh, the companies that we're used to working with and want to work with. And, uh, and we're trying to manage all the projects. Uh, we're being very careful what we're taking that we, that we can get there and, and be on time and, and uh, stay within the budget. That's the hardest thing.
0: Sure. Have you ever seen it this busy or this stretched from a manpower perspective?
1: Uh, No, Uh, uh, like we talked earlier, this is our approaching our 60th year. When we began this year in in January, we already had the largest backlog that this company, our company has ever had. Wow. And uh, I mean, we hit the road running and there's been more added to and we're going to be doing the same thing going into 2020 with a pretty husky backlog. So well, it's a good thing. Uh, I just hope we can continue to manage it.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, right, because it could all backfire if mm-hmm. we if, if we get all this work and we can't manage it. That could make an opening for somebody if we're not on the ball. Well,
1: uh, it, somebody could be maybe some non-union contractors out there, and we do see more non-union uh, than we have in the past – they can't find anybody either. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for a long time, their sources were guys that weren't working every day from the union going over, taking that job. Um, there's probably, probably been a lot of non-union people that have seen the opportunity to come over to the union side. And, uh, and I would hope that the unions are trying to indoctrinate and catch these people and show them that there's a great way to go.
0: Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one thing I wanted to ask you, too, is especially you, Jim, with so many people under your supervision, um, any advice you can give to um, younger stage manager, supervisor, superintendent to be a good leader?
1: Well, let's see. Yeah, that's the word, lead. You know, if you're going to be a leader, Find out how to lead. Take responsibility and exercise it and carry it all the way. Let the people that you want to call followers, okay, uh, feel good about following you. But be sure that you take those same people and you teach them how to lead. And you help bolster up their abilities because they will become the next leaders. And this is something that I think was lacking in our industry for many many years Uh, we had a lot of good young people out there in the trades and uh, some of the older journeymen um, didn't take that serious about hey i got to help this kid go to the next level as somebody helped me Mm -hmm. and uh, we've probably lost a lot of good talent because of that so Mm
2: -hmm. that's probably so i we just took on a class of plumbers and when I spoke to him, I said, um, you know, a lot of your buddies, your your friends, uh, are probably going to change jobs seven or eight, nine times in their lifetime. Uh, but if you stay in here, this you'll retire from here. Mm-hmm. And that's unheard of since the old... Steel days and the car days back then they did, but now nobody does. That should be a comfort to you, knowing you're going to retire from this job in forty or whatever years. And also, I always tell them, you know, I'm envious of them because if I should lose my job, I don't. What would I do? Sell insurance, or Mm. you know, what what would I do for a living? But you know exactly what you're going to do. You've got a card in the back of your pocket. You can go. You can go to Las Vegas, California, to wherever you want to go. There's, there'll be a job waiting for you there. So uh, it, it's that's a good that's a good selling point if you can get it to them. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, that's there's not many places you can say that. Not many industries. Mm-hmm. Right. So Jim, you said you thought you were going to be an artist when you were in high school. <laughs>
1: well, I did. I really did. I had a passion for. Taking a, a pen or pencil and a piece of paper and sketching I, was something I did probably started when I was maybe five, six, seven years old. And, uh, and then when I got to be uh, uh, 18, 19, 20, and I started drinking before I was 21, <laughs> I'd sit at the bar and, with a napkin. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> I've yeah. sat in meetings here at CEA Yeah, and... Um, if there's somebody talking, I sketch their face. Um,
2: you do some of your best work at a CIA yeah right. meeting. Huh?
1: But I really <laughs> thought that's where I wanted to go. And uh, uh, when I was at East Tech High School in Cleveland, I had won a, uh, a scholarship through um, the Cleveland Art Museum and uh, was offered a job with a uh, the, not Halley's. Yeah, it was Halley's. Halley's was like our May Company and our Higby. They were one of the first to leave Cleveland. Mm. And they had an art department. And uh, they were going to send me to the Cooper School of Art. Uh, ended up, I went became an iron worker. You know. <laughs> I'm not sorry for that. I, right, I, yeah. I can still sketch and draw and do things.
0: Mm. Have you had the opportunity to use that artistic ability in your company?
1: Uh, well, my logo... And, you know, I started at one, two, three, four, about four or five other companies, uh, including a bank. And I've done the logos for all of those companies. I did a logo here for CEA membership. I, I was going to say
2: that. He did the red truck. <laughs>
1: that's right. Oh, tried that's at right. Home.
2: Yeah. yeah. And everybody tried to come up with an idea. And he came up, oh, that's it.
1: <laughs> so, you know, I miss my calling, maybe. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm happy at what I do. I look around Cleveland, and it's so much fun saying, oh, I did that. I worked on that. I did that. And of course, our company did. I was just a part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a lot of fun, and, so, and it's a lot of satisfaction.
0: Sure. What was the bank that you helped start?
1: Liberty Bank.
0: Is that still around?
1: Uh, no, we, we sold Liberty Bank three years ago, We the shareholders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, managed the bank for 13 years to start at the bank in 1990. And, uh, and then I found a real banker, uh, after running the bank for 13 years and he took it to the next level. And, uh, it was a, it was a different experience. It was a different business altogether, but mm-hmm. and that's a long story for another day. Sure. How did mm-hmm. I get in the banking business? <laughs> uh, but I got a lot of, uh, uh, energy and excitement out of it and education too. And, uh, now I'm part of uh, the Middlefield Bank. So I mm-hmm. kept uh, some of my stock, and it's been fun.
0: Nice. It's quite a variety of businesses you've been a part of. Monuments, erecting, erecting firm, <laughs> and, and a bank.
1: And three uh, uh, precast services is one of our members, and that's one of the our, my companies I started. Okay. Uh, Columbus Steel Erectors. Quartet Construction. A lot of people don't know that. Really, Quartet was one of the first businesses that I put together with Dennis Quartet. Mm-hmm. Wow! And they've all been successful. How nice is that? Yeah, really. They they all got That's help. I uh, helped them get a start, just like I did with Simon Cadis and and with my friends that helped me. So
0: yeah. So you were inducted into the CEA Hall of Fame, our first class at yes. our centennial. 2016 our second class of inductees is coming up this october at the clam bake our 97th annual clam bake um oh. for those who haven't been to it it's a suit and tie six course dinner at a nice banquet hall with um, monte carlo casino night afterward we play games and not for real money but everybody has a good time um, our ninety seventh one, and we will induct one of the one of the people is Andy Natale. Do you know
1: Andy? I know Andy very well. What a brilliant attorney and and a guy that knows construction law. Uh, I first met Andy's mother and father before I met him, and he was still in school. Uh, they had a uh, a little saloon called the Beer Belly Saloon in in um, Macedonia, Ohio. Uh-huh. And uh, that's how I happened to meet uh, Andy. And then Andy was with uh, Jeff Applebaum, Thompson, Hein and Flory. And I think most of the construction people who are maybe listening to this podcast know about them. Sure. And Jeff Applebaum really, uh, is an outstanding, uh, attorney with the construction law. And I think Andy really, really followed in his footsteps and, and, uh, Andy has done a lot of good things for our company and many other companies here in the uh, uh, Cleveland area.
0: And he's volunteered a ton of time with CEA. Oh, he
1: has. And he's just, a, he's one of those guys that he gives back and gives back. Yeah.
2: He just, uh, offered a seminar for us uh, last month and he was there with his partner and it was an amazing seminar. And, people started walking out going, wow, we've got to get him back. We've, they're great. And sometimes you hear that on the seminar, but not, not that strongly. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and he's, he's helped us out uh, a lot of times too. So he's a, he's a great guy and having some issues now, but I think he's. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But he's a fighter. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a fighter.
0: Yeah, for sure. He's helped us out a lot. Um, Not only on teaching classes, but even just legal work for for CEA. And um, I never had the pleasure of working with him at Thompson High. And I actually came to Thompson High. That's right. That's right. That's where you are. After he was gone, and his reputation preceded him, though. Um, So, Jim, I, uh, I wanted to bring this up, and we talked about it beforehand your love for karaoke.
1: Oh, I love to sing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and and I've been to your house, <laughs> and I've heard you sing. You've got a voice for it.
1: I don't know about that.
0: And um, and all, also, all your your napkin sketches are there. You framed them, and
1: oh, you've seen some of those. And, huh?
0: Yeah, I think I was on the way to the restroom, and I walked by probably. <laughs> Six or eight <laughs> four-foot sections of, of of bar napkin sketches. It's pretty I think impressive. I,
1: I think I counted them one day. They were in a box. Of course, I used to leave them wherever I was sitting. I'd just walk away and leave them. And then Betty started picking them up. And then she says, don't don't leave these. I want these, you know. And you should put a date on them, and you should put your initials on them. So I started doing that, I think, in 1988, if I remember. By initials and the dates yeah and uh uh i started the project to put those all together they were in in boxes and i counted the ones that were in the boxes I had over 2000 and i that thought worked. my god how much vodka did i drink jeez <laughs> 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 that's awesome <laughs> that's what you
0: well they were pretty impressive i was uh i was jealous of your talent for uh, for sketching <laughs> you you gave me a song that you would sing or if you if you choose you don't have to <laughs> do we have music we do have the music and I, what's the song
1: I, I need the words uh i what are we what are you doing the rest of your life
0: frank sinatra frank
1: sinatra
0: well, i've got the words and the words Uh, Just push play. It's going to give you the words, and we're going to hear the music. Let me just make sure here.
1: All right, boy. If this works, I'll be amazed. (laughs) We'll just delete it if it doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. All right. Just push
0: play.
3: What are you doing The rest of your life North and south and east and west of your life I have only one request of your life That you spend it all with me All the seasons and the times of your days all the nickels and the dimes of your days let the reasons and the rhymes of your days all begin and end with me i want to see your face in every kind of light in the fields of dawn in the forest of the night And when you stand before the candles on a cake, oh, let me be the one to hear the silent wish you make. Those tomorrows waiting deep in your eyes, in the world of love that you keep in your eyes, I'll awaken. What's asleep in your eyes? It may take a kiss or two. Through all of my life, summer, winter, spring, and fall of my life, all I ever will recall of my life is all of my life with you
2: wow that was wow. awesome that's right thank wow. you Why, you've thank got you. your own Jeez. style and your own voice quality that's
1: wow i'm, I'm well amazed. with these mufflers i'm not sure i heard myself
2: but <laughs> <laughs> well, we could hear you and that was fantastic great. <laughs> hey yeah. thank you Well,
1: see, if this steel erection thing doesn't work out, I'm going to hit the road, man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. Thank you for doing that. Thanks. That was very nice. You're welcome. You're
1: welcome.
0: Anything else to add for the good of the order?
1: You know what? You mentioned two other guys that are going to be in the... um, uh, In the hall of fame hall of fame this year and one of them i think was gary knoff yes and uh gary's been around the industry for a long time and uh with this the originally the stevens paint and company right. yes and i think he was one of the officers of stevens paint maybe president for a while and then he did a lot of work for the iron workers uh, as far as uh, being on one of our boards with the uh, pension mm-hmm. money and, uh And even after he wasn't in in the construction industry anymore, he helped out a lot. I'm really happy to hear that Gary's going to be elected to this program.
0: Yeah, he was tickled pink when I told him that that we were going to have him inducted this fall. He was was shocked and excited. He said, said, when I got the letter and my wife called me uh, when I was at work and she said, you got an envelope here and it's from Tim Linville. It's on personal stationery. He's like, uh oh. <laughs> it's like this. I don't want a lawsuit. <laughs> um, well, that's you know, great! But uh, yeah, he was pleasantly yeah, surprised. And he and his, he and his wife and his kids are all going to be there, and it's going to be a nice night oh, for him. Nice.
1: And who's the third one?
0: And the third is Al Sanchez from oh, Turner Construction. Yes, yes. Yeah, he was with Turner for several decades. A yes. long
1: time. Uh, I knew. I I've met him on several occasions. I never. I didn't know him as much as I know the 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 people that are running the company today. Um, my engineer Mark Phipps knows him very well, and sure. I think uh, they go to different meet, uh, meetings together for different projects in town. I think he is involved in the new big Metro General Hospital project. Uh, right. Uh, so. Uh, look forward to seeing him over there. I think we just put the big tower crane up at the on that project. Did this, you? Uh, maybe a weekend ago. It's huge.
0: Really, that's
2: great. And he, uh, I would run into him at Tri C a lot because he had he was like on their p- pay mm-hmm. payroll there, and then uh, occasionally at on Lorraine Avenue at the Hispanic.
0: Yeah, the Spanish American Committee.
2: Spanish American committee? committee. Whenever I give a presentation, he's always there.
0: And, and that's uh, my experience with him in the last nine years. I've been here nine years at CEA. Um, but my experience is with uh, him setting up, basically, with Glenn Shoemate our our small contractor capacity building program uh, with an eye towards recruiting more female-owned and minority-owned um, business enterprises to get into
1: construction. Well, he's the guy that can really help. Uh, I'm telling you. And you said so this is going to be at our 97th annual client yeah. Did I read that right? Everybody gets ninety-seven clams. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, ninety-seven cups of clam juice if you want it.
1: <laughs>
0: All of the above. Yeah. Well, thank you, gentlemen.
1: Hey, this is really neat. Thank you. It was a
2: pleasure being with both of you. And I hope thank we get to do it again. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Yes, I
0: hope so. All right. Good job. Thank you for listening. To find more information about the discussion in this or prior episodes, be sure to check the episode notes section in your podcast app. Get notified and automatically download the latest episode by subscribing to the Construction Employers Podcast in the iTunes Store or in Google Play. This podcast is brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Find us on the web at www.ceacisp.org.